Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Hebrew scriptures end with the call to go up and rebuild the temple after the end of the 70-year Babylonian exile. Now, what is the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Jewish version of order of scriptures, ends with what book of the Bible? Chronicles, right. Not Malachi, like we're like the Christian order of scriptures, but, Mal, but not Malachi, not the prophets, but law, Torah, Nabim, Ketubim, law, prophets, writings, and the writings, uh, Chronicles ends. Chronicles uh, ends with this 70-year, the Galut, the Babylonian exile, and the call to go up and rebuild the temple, Second Chronicles 36. King Cyrus says, the Lord God of heaven has commanded me, he says, to rebuild, to build for him a house in Jerusalem. And so here's the ending of the Hebrew scriptures. Who's with you from all his people? The Lord his God be with him or it could be translated Amo with his people, or is his people, and Vaya'al, Vaya'al, let him go up, let him go up. Let's say Vaya'al, Vaya'al, Vaya'al. That's the last word of Chronicles. Let him go up, let him go up. Make Aliyah, that's where we get Aliyah from this, we, to go up to your ascending, going back to the land, because it's spiritually we're going up, it's a higher spiritual plane when you go back to the land, when you make Aliyah to go up to Israel, when you go up to Jerusalem, you're ascending, it's a higher spiritual plane. Prophecy is being fulfilled, redemption in motion, that's the end. But the, think about it, the new covenant scriptures, the Brit Hadashah, end with something even greater, much greater. A new heavens and a new earth. Humanity's restoration, healing, and eternal life, the serpent's destruction, the curse reversed. And while traditional Judaism has the rebuilding of the temple to look forward to with the coming of the Messiah, Messianic Judaism has a greater hope and promise. Messiah has already come and conquered sin and death. And he will come again to reign over a restored creation. So think about it. What we have as believers, as followers of the Messiah in Messianic Judaism, in the Messianic faith, I almost prefer to call it that, the Messianic faith, Jewish faith, is a new covenant, restored creation to look forward to. Then I saw in Revelation 21, here are the first five verses of Revelation 21, the apocalypse, the end, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation or the apocalypse. I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Also I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, Yerushalayim Chadashah, 
coming down out of the heaven from God, out of heavens from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Also heard a loud voice in the throne saying, behold, the dwelling of God is among men and he shall tabernacle among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. What, a, what an amazing thing. Nor shall there be any mourning or crying or pain any longer. The former things, for the former things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne says, said, behold, I'm making all things new. You don't have that ending in the Old Testament, if we want to call it that, the Hebrew Scriptures. We don't have that ending. But we do in the new, in the new covenant. And it's amazing. And, and yet it's sad for our people who don't have that ending. Now, Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. It's in the Tanakh that it's going to happen. The former things will not be remembered nor come to mind. And we're going to go up, by the way, we're going to make Aliyah to serve him forever and wherever, whether on the new earth or in the distant two trillion sea of galaxies of the solar system. Revelation 22.3 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in the city, and his servants shall serve him. We're going to be having, you know, really busy. Lots of stuff. Second Peter 3, verses 12 and 13, Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. In that day, the heavens will be dissolved by fire. The elements will melt the intense heat. There's more on that if you read the whole section there. But in keeping with his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So it's, it's amazing. I love how in chapter 1 of Genesis here he says, you know, in the very first verse, the beginning God creates the heavens, the plural, Hashemayim. Let's say Hashemayim. Hashemayim, the plural, and then Haaretz. Let's say Haaretz, singular. God says, singular focus. I'm going to focus on one planet, huge solar system or galaxy, but one planet. And now he's going to, then he's going to make one individual, and then, you know, and then two, of course, individuals. And he's, he's concerned with individuals and with the, the small, the little. Um, <clears throat> and in this parsha, we have all these major foundational themes of Scripture, creation of the, the universe, uh, humankind's, Uniqueness and in design and role, Shabbat, marriage, the serpent, the fall of humankind uh, caused by the entrance of sin into the world through human volition, death, the promise of redemption, the first promise in 315, the first lie, the first murder, a couple rare exceptions with Hanoch or Enoch and Noah, Noah, but otherwise spiraling decline and descent toward judgment as this ends. But did God create this, this heavens and the earth? You know, astrophysicists, scientists today, they're busy focusing on what are called the pillars of, they call the pillars of creation uh, through the James Webb Telescope to gather more precise data, data about the formation of stars. But we read in Psalm 19, verses 2 through 5, the heavens are telling, tell of the glory of God. And the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day after day pours forth speech. Night after night reveals knowledge. 
You know, many, there are so many testimonies of people that didn't, don't have a Bible, you know, haven't got, received the Bible yet in different places, but they, but they recognize there's a creator through the creation. There's a recognition that they knew there was a, a, a God, a living God. Word of God is spoken through the creation. And so uh, it says, says there's no speech nor words where their voice goes unheard. This is Psalm 19. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the end of the, of the world. It's the reality. It's the truth. Now, we bring the specific word of God. And I think Psalm 19 is fantastic on that, by the way. The first half of the psalm deals with the creation, and the second half deals with the, the specific word of God. That's why we need to bring it. That's why we need missions. We bring the word of God, the Bible, the, the scriptures, uh, and the gospel to people, so to all the ends of the earth, so specifically people can know about Yeshua and, the, and the Jesus and what God has done specifically. But the general creation does reveal the creator. Now, God exists outside of our four-dimensional world of time and space, of space and time, in what we would call, could call a fifth dimension. And he makes himself known by interacting with us in our four-dimensional world. Time and space and motion really do not exist in the, in the eternal. So Francis and I got away got one day at our first time ever at Dollywood. We loved it. And we, she is not a roller coaster person. And that place is like roller coaster heaven, you know, for kids. Like, all right, now, now I know. So, so we're, we're, anyway, so we're in this, so we're doing things, enjoying some things. There's lots of great music. And I, we, and I said, I just grabbed her. I said, let's go, let's go in this, this one, you know. And we thought it was like a little ride. I think this is not a bad talk, right? She can handle this. Not a bad ride. I thought it was just like a little maybe haunted house kind of thing, like because you go through a dark area. We get in, and, and so we're riding. And then, and it seems like, you know, oh, there's a little dip here. And, and then I hear the people behind us saying, yeah, now comes the bigger one. Then there's a bigger. And then I'm saying, okay. <laughs> and it's really dark. And all of a sudden, we go, start going up, up. <laughs> I said, uh-oh. <laughs> well, anyway, it's called, it's called a tornado. I think it's a tornado. Yeah. And so you went, <laughs> we went, uh, uh And then I don't know what we did. But, I mean, I was, we were out. I was, I don't know about her. She was like, I think more than me, outside of time and space and motion. <laughs> I mean, I was just praying, Lord, if this is our time. <laughs> I mean, we did the whole flip, you know, and everything. I mean, I mean, I would not have taken her on that if I knew. So she hasn't spoken to me since, so no. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, for, I love this verse, and I know you love it too if you know it. For thus says the high and exalted one who inhabits eternity. God inhabits he, the high and lofty one. He inhabits eternity whose name is Kadosh. His name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, yet also with the contrite and humble of spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite. Praise the Lord. Everything begins with God. In the beginning, God. Everything begins with God and is for his glory. And every blessing in Judaism, as we know it's beautiful, begins with what? What's with every blessing? How it starts? Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech ha'olam. Let's say it again. Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech ha'olam. We are blessing God who is what? The king of the universe. Lord, you are over all. You are over all. And we're declaring he's the creator and the sustainer of the universe. Olam, of everything. 
if my day does not begin with God, it's empty. It's fruitless. If my marriage doesn't begin with him, it's empty. It's fruitless. My relationship, my relationships, my business, my vocation, my education, my learning, everything. Yeshua knew that, it says, he had come from God and was returning to God in John 13, verse 3. He knew everything was... And I, so man is the only created being where God breathed in his nostrils in Genesis 2, 7, the breath of life. Where We're the only ones that can be God conscious. So think about it. Every day that goes by where I'm not God conscious is kind of a waste. I'm not in... in living in the, what I'm created to be, conscious of him, a part of him, connected to him. Ten times in Genesis, beginning in verse 3, verse 1-3, it says in Genesis 1, and God said, and God said, let's say that, and God said, I think it's Vayomer, and God said, and he creates, so he creates through his what? His word. God said, when God speaks, he creates he speaks and he creates. Uh, whenever God speaks, it's an event of creation. By his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created in James 1, 18. Or 1 Peter 1, 23, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Or Isaiah 55, verse 11. I love this verse. Haven't thought of it in, long, in a while. So, so shall my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish. It will accomplish what I intend. It will succeed what I sent it for. God's word creates. And God created everything. And the Yeshua is called, he is the word of God in the Bible. The son is the word of God. So God created everything and the whole Gospel of John has that theme in it, through the Son, through the Son, who is the Word of God. He created the universe through Him in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, or John 1, 3. All things were made through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was made that has come into being. Or Colossians 1, 16, by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen. All was created through Him. Isn't that amazing? The Son is the Word of God, and God created through His Word. Psalm 33, verse 6, and Hebrews eleven three, and 2 Peter 3, 5. And five times when God is creating in Genesis 1 here, He says, everything is good. Five times He says, it's good. Tov. Let's say tov. One time, He says, it's tov ma'od. Let's say tov ma'od. Very good. Exceedingly good. When is that? When does he say that? After creates man, Michael. Yes, sir. After he created man, he says it's exceedingly good. It's, exceed it's very good. Why did he create man? Well, in Genesis 2, he mentions creating man and then out of man. And I think ch chapter 2 is just a more elaborate, a more descriptive uh, explanation of chapter one. I don't think it's a, a different account. I think it's the same, but more. But there's different ways of looking at it. But marriage, the, the woman comes out of man, from the rib of man. Marriage is the norm. 
Marriage is the norm. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they get a good reward for their effort. For if they fall, the one will lift up his companion. But oi to the one, that's how it translates it, tree of life. Oi to the one, woe to the one. Oi to the one who falls and has no one to lift him up. A threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. Marriage is the norm. Singleness is a calling. Singleness is a calling. And Paul speaks about that. The Apostle Paul, Shaliach Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, I'm, I'm called to it. I'm, you know, we don't know his whole story. But you may have a calling. It, respiles, it requires special grace. But the norm is God wants people to marry and, and, uh, and procreate. But I want to mention about uh, gender confusion. I have to say, it's running rampant today. I've mentioned it a f- a f- several months ago, and I've got to comment on it again. And I, I just want to say something, some things about it. Because of a really a twisted, perverted cultural propaganda that's really landing on the highway of loneliness. Uh, people are tempted to conform to what they see as the norm of everyone else doing and how they see everyone else identifying in their, in their media streams. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. And, and it's just everywhere. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot calls God's design, I quoted this before, man and wo- for man and woman years ago, God's glorious distinctions. Each are so glorious, so magnificent, so spectacular, you are one or the other and not another. You are one or the other, not another. Genesis 1, and 28, God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And he does not add and transgender or gender neutral or bigender or non-binary. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, which only a male and female together can do, folks. I know men and women who identify themselves differently than their assigned birth gender, and you may also, but not realize it. You may not even realize it. And they're among, I know some, among the kindest, caring, and most generous people in the world. But I say in love to you who are such, you have believed a lie. You are a man or you are a woman. And you are marvelously designed. You may not think of yourself in this way, but you are. Psalm 139 verses 13 and 14 says, You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I am awesomely, wonderfully made. And you need to read the whole psalm. God knows you. And he designed you, and he desires you. Jonathan Kahn, in his book, The Return of the Gods, talks about this. It's, it's the metamorphosis of gender in, modern, in our modern culture. And he says behind it is the ancient goddess Ishtar, the sorceress. Listen to this. She aimed her, this is what she did in ancient, this ancient goddess. She aimed to alter people's affections, passions, thoughts, and even essence. She had the embodiment of male and female. I am a woman. I am a man. Cross lines, transgress boundaries, blur distinctions, 
merge opposites, confuse and invert, blur and bend, merge and invert the two, blur the lines and nullify the distinctions between male and female. Feminize all that was male and masculinize all that was female. He describes it as it's a war, is, is, was and is a war against the sanctity of sexuality and gender by confusing the two and merging them in order to nullify them. Jonathan Kahn's book, The, Prop, the Return of the Gods, tracing it back to this goddess Ishtar, a sorceress who is behind what's happened in our culture. It's, it's frightening, but I want to emphasize again it's happening because we're, it's so pervasive now and people are lonely and people are confused and they're, especially young people, they're confused because they see it everywhere and they think, well, this becomes norm. This is normative. If you're wrestling with it, with gender identity, disorder, dysphoria, gender dysphoria, pray with someone here. If you're here, pray, there's, pray with someone. Someone here will love you and pray with you, not judge you, not condemn you for Pray because we understand. I mean, we understand that you're struggling with it. And if you, you write us, if you're watching this, listen, no one, has, no one should ever judge you for it. But the truth is the truth. God didn't make you that way. And don't consider surgery. Don't consider, don't go that route. It's not the answer. Now, many people are, are much able to speak much stronger, much better on this topic than I can, of course to it. But uh, anyway, I'll just, just have to make the comments because we're here in Genesis and we see this is where God lays this foundation. And you know, it doesn't mean stay in a horrible marriage. If, if the marriage is horrible and you know, it doesn't mean marriage it, itself is the answer. God is the answer. <laughs> Pray through the marriage. It doesn't mean marriage is the answer. But it means that, that the answer is the Lord and then God does want you to be who you are and uh, have a, a healthy marriage in him, through him. As Crystal had prayed earlier, kingdom, you know, with a kingdom focus, really. Uh, in chapter 3, we have the fall of man, and we have what is really the blame game, you know. Uh, what happens when the serpent deceives Eve, Hava, and you know the story, but she... When God comes to her, where are you? There's, you know, we don't know even what the tone of that is. But she says, uh, did you eat from the tree? And, to, and the man blames the woman. He says, uh, the woman you gave me. She gave it to me. Blaming someone else that's making excuses. We all have blind spots. I'm going to go to one last story. Genesis 5, through 24, the story of Enoch. It says, Enoch, here's an exception. In the midst of all this, after the sin enters the world, man's estranged from God. They have to leave the garden. Now the age of man, everyone is living to these long ages, and Adam in the likeness of God has been made. But in chapter 5, verse 2, he, God created Adam in the likeness of God. He made him male and female. He created them, emphasize again. And he blessed them and called them their name, Adam, when he created them, 
Adam, he lives and he fathers a son in his likeness. So we see now, now man's creating things after his likeness and image. And they're living many, many years, 800 years, 930 years. Uh, the lifespan in America is shrinking now. I don't know if you saw that recently. The average age today in America is 76. It's declining the last few years in America because people aren't playing enough pickleball and eating healthy. So, but, <laughs> all right. but here's an exception. Enoch, Hanok, verse 22, he walked with God continually for 300 years. And then it says, all his days, 365, verse 24, Enoch continually walked with God and he was not. Shouldn't be there isn't in, in the Hebrew. Just says he was not. Because God, what? He, he took him. God took him. And isn't that beautiful? God took him. God says, he's, I want him with me. It's better for him to be with me than to be here in this mess, in this declining culture. It's going, getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm going to take him home to be with me. God took him. Why not leave him on earth for a long life if he was so righteous? God felt it was better to take him home. And in 2 Corinthians 5, we read this, that we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, for us as believers now, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. So, whether at home or absent, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. It's better, it was better for him to go to be with the Lord, much better than here. God said, it's better for him to go there. And then he says, we're still seeking to please him even up there. I never saw that before. We make it our goal, our aim to please him, whether we're here or there. It's not like we're there and it's all over. We're still seeking to please him even up there. It's something to meditate about. God has much for us to still do when we go to be with him. Eye has not seen nor ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So, Father, we just thank you for these amazing, this whole parshah. There's just so much to meditate on this week and so many things to think about. Thank you that you are the God who loves us and created us for your glory because you love us, because you want a relationship with us, because you have a plan and purpose for us. Lord, thank you for that eternal purpose, Lord. That we're not random, we're not here accidentally, we are here by your choosing, by your loving hand. And if you've never trusted Yeshua today, you've never placed your faith in God, this is a good time to do it, to say, God, I want to know you. Oh, God, help me. Your hands are very big hands, and I put myself in your big hands, oh, God. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me new. Make me clean. Make me brand new like you said. Your word says you do. Speak. I want to hear your voice today. And that for all of us, we want to hear your voice, Lord. We want to hear your voice because you speak and you create. Whenever you speak, you create and make us new. And we thank you for that. 
If you're trusting Yeshua today, Jesus, for the first time, accepting him into your life, let's pray with someone after the service up here or write us if you're watching and let us know we can help you. The Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you and is gracious unto you. The Lord bestows favor upon you and gives you his peace. Amen. Bishem Yeshua. Ah. Uh...